0: Wasn't that awesome? I appreciate this worship team. You guys went the extra mile this weekend. We did a bunch of services. Thank you again. Uh, Man, it's good to be here. This is my my last shot at (laughs) 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 y'all. Who haven't I met yet? Who's this the first time I'm getting to meet you this morning? Let me see your hands, please. It's a bunch of you. I can tell I see so many new faces. Okay, awesome. In one service, I'm going to try to nutshell where we've been all weekend. (laughs) It's going to be so hard. (laughs) Because I want us all on the same page. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I've been, I've been preaching what the gospel really is. I'm going to nutshell this thing like, yeah, I feel the same way. <laughs> like, like. we make the gospel so many things. Sometimes we think it's just God blessing us, taking care of us, meeting our needs, paying our bills, protecting us, keeping sickness out of our homes. And we have a lot of promises and we can find God in all those arenas. But when you really look at the gospel, the whole reason Jesus came is to get the old off of you so the new can adorn you. So that your life becomes changed. The gospel has always been about transformation. It's been always about transformation from the beginning. If we're not careful in this country, we make it all about blessing and what we can get from him instead of how we can become more like him. Are you with me? Yeah. This is Christianity. Nothing less is Christianity. First Timothy 1.5 says the goal of our instruction, depends what translation you have, the purpose of the commandment is love. Is love. Yeah, If we fail to become love, we fail to step into the reason He came. He did not just come to forgive you of your sins and put your name in a book called Life and take you to heaven on the day you pass. He came to put His life inside of you, His nature inside of you, His heart inside of you, and His ways inside of you. The only way that's going to happen, you have to deny yourself in the sense of Matthew 16. Deny yourself so you can pick up your cross and follow him. What's that mean? That means I'm not living for me anymore. My motive isn't me. It's not self-preservation. My motive is his name, his kingdom, and the sake of others. I just had a young man say to me, he said, I struggle with that message because I feel like I'm giving up my individuality. You're not giving up your individuality. Only you can be you, but you be you in Christ Jesus. You see what I mean? Because if you don't give up yourself, you're going to be self-motivated, and that's where anger, frustration, discouragement, human rights, human reasoning, and everything finds a platform and a place to live and build. Self-centeredness is the absolute fall of man. It's the outcome of the fall of man. Man was one with God, walking in the image and nature of God, filled with love, filled with God. He got separated from God and became a God unto himself. He became self-driven, self-intended, self-protected, self-justified. It's the problem on the earth. Every day, men are made for God's image and they wake up and live for themselves. Christians hear so many messages that are beneficial and self-pertaining that it's possible in today's age to be a Christian in America and be a Christian for your own sake. Many people become Christians. Their marriage is in trouble. They say, maybe I ought to start picking up my Bible. Maybe I ought to get back to church. Their kids run wild and they say, I think i got to get back to church. And we always seem to get to go to God for what we can get from Him instead of how we can become more like Him in an everyday way. You're not giving up your individuality. I did this in the men's breakfast. It's a good illustration. Let me, oh, this is good. Can can you help me? Come on, man, don't be embarrassed. I I had to pick somebody that really helps me prove this point. Come on, man, put your arm around me. Are you ever going to mix us up? Come on, man, do the part. Are you ever going to mix us up? Do we look anything alike? Come on, man. This is a brother from Texas. I'm a white boy from the city of York. You ain't confusing us. He don't look nothing like me, and I don't look nothing like him. But in this gospel, we can both wake up and look just like Jesus. That's what makes us one. He ain't losing his individuality. He's gaining Christ in him. He's always going to be him, but he's him in Christ. And you ain't mixing us up. We ain't clones. This isn't uniformity. This is unity. So I'm going to bed in Pennsylvania tonight. I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning in PA by the mercy of God. And I'm going to pursue his image and live for his great name. Here's this young man in Texas doing the same. That's what makes us one. Thanks. You've been a great help. Give him a shout. Come on. Do you see? Oh, it's so simple. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Not the working out of your circumstances, the making of my day. You've got to be very careful you're not preference driven in life and the preferences don't become the idolatry of your life that you're only as good as things are working out the way you hope. And all of a sudden you're selling cheap and your whole disposition is hinged on how life's unfolding instead of who He is on the inside of you and why. I say it everywhere I go. Mercy woke us up today to give you one more day to be like Him. How about following Him? Today, Never was the day anyway. But today's not the day to be frustrated, to cop an opinion and have an attitude that doesn't produce life. Today's not the day to be overwhelmed and upset and, and unforgiveness and discouraged and disappointed because somebody let you down. Jesus did not let you down. When you weren't looking for anything, He saw you. When you didn't know there was truth, He was truth. And He came looking for you and found you and drew you. No one comes to the Father except by Him. Grace drew you to the truth in your day of darkness and despair. And when you found him, you found there was already a price paid to redeem your life and restore your life and bring you back and make you brand new. That sounds like good news to me. I don't think we have issues. I think we have answers. Yeah, I understand your family member did this. Yeah, I understand it's a challenging season in your marriage. Yeah, I understand your child's making a bad decision. But why do we let this all hinge on this? Why don't we let this hinge on this. So I look through new eyes and see everything different. When nobody owes me a thing and I, I get a grip and I'm not moved by fear because I'm not drawing my identity from my children, I'm drawing my identity in Christ so I can be the best parent. Yeah? come on, man, we go ahead and we have children and goo goo ga and we raise them up and we're all excited we got a million pictures and then they get older and it's crazy how our children and now we're at risk and our children have the power to make us or break us. It's amazing. Why? Because we draw our identity through our own lives, through our own families. We believe our children are a direct reflection of us. We believe if they're failing, we fail. No, they might just be making choices in the moment doesn't mean you failed. You might have done some things wrong. You might have done some things that you could have done better. But when do you ever fall on the mercy of God and trust Him and live free and get your conscience clear so you give the best you can be in the moment? Because once you come under that thing of condemnation and say you failed, you're going to live like you failed. Now you're unproductive. You're not shining light. You're sowing nothing into no one because you're believing lies and taking things personal. And now you're shipwrecked and you think your child's in trouble. So are you. Oh, I can feel that in the room. This thing's hitting. Come on, man. This is Sunday morning. This is service. This is church. This is living room. This is just family talk, man. This is just getting real. Come on. It'll do us no good to sing hallelujah to them. That song we sang before that offering song, man. That's powerful. They were all powerful. That last one's fun. We've sang it a bunch this week. I'm getting to know it. It's, I like it. That one before almost sounded like an old hymn or something, you know. Yeah, yeah, he's our living hope. And man, I was like, whoa, yeah, ooh, yeah. What, what's the power of singing a song like that and getting ramped up on a Sunday and leaving here and having the ability to just be discouraged, frustrated, disheartened, afraid, angry? He said, she said, well, I feel, well, they shouldn't, well, how come? And all of a sudden, we're the most deceived people. We're singing all about Him and not letting who Him be the reality of our life, who He is in us. And all of a sudden, we're doing church without being her. Don't get religious. Don't go through the motions. Don't let church attendance take the place of knowing Him. Don't be a part of this church. Be a part of Him. And that will be a part of this church. Are you getting it? Don't you just serve in a ministry to feel qualified? You walk in love. You make peace with men. You tone down every harsh word with a kind word. Don't you repay fire with fire. You overcome evil with good. I heard that somewhere. I've read that in a book. (laughs) And better yet, I saw it in a life. Someone that didn't come and preach at me. Someone that showed me what it looked like. He didn't come and shout me down with preaching. He didn't wave a book at me and say, Do it. He was that book. God made the book flesh. And the flesh dwelt among us, and we beheld him. (laughs) He ain't done nothing. Or ask us to do nothing that he hasn't done. He didn't lord over us. Get it straight, Kevin. He showed Kevin what getting it straight looked like. And then invited him. Yeah? Come on, man. He said, love your enemies. He's not preaching at you. He showed you what it looks like. He said, it's not flesh and blood. Your enemies aren't flesh and blood. It's anything that's coming against the kingdom, against you shining as a light, against you living influential and productive. Enemy isn't people. Enemies are mindsets and precepts that quench the light, that invoke darkness, that give you a reason to be less than who He is in you. (laughs) enemies are justifications that allow you to stay the same. Reasons and excuses and analogies that don't promote transformation in your life. They're enemies. People aren't enemies. You say, well, I wouldn't feel this way if they didn't. Well, why are you letting them be Lord? Why are you letting where they're not decide where you are? Why are you letting what they don't see decide what you do see if Jesus is the light of the world? Why is your life governed by people and things and happenings and circumstances? it never has to be that way. I didn't wake up today for everything to work well for me. I woke up to be like Him and then I don't even notice if things aren't really working well because I really don't know what that means. There's no way to fail my expectations except for one. If I don't walk in the light as He's in the light. I have no expectations when I come here unless if you hand me a mic I'm going to preach the kingdom. (laughs) And if you hand me a mic you saw that's I'm going to preach to King. But I have no other expectations. Nobody here owes me a thing. I made that clear from the beginning. He said, Well, I want to pass a plate and take an offering. I told him behind the scenes, you didn't hear me, but I told him, I'm not here for an offering. You don't have to take a single offering. I bought my plane ticket, there's no reimbursements, I'm not turning in anything. I'm here because I believe what I preach. I'm here because I believe that you're worthy of his blood and worthy of the kingdom and that he wants to live inside of you and make a difference right where you live. And because I love him and I love his kingdom, I absolutely love you and believe it's possible and we can be an army. See, we're so touched, we're so jaded in life, we don't even realize how subtle it is. Everybody has something up their sleeve. There's got to be a catch to something. Our brows are raised without raising them. We're always wondering there has to be something in it for someone. Don't think that itinerant ministry has to be a business deal and a contract and an X amount of offering. I'm sorry if people function that way, but that doesn't mean there isn't something pure called Jesus. You with me? Yeah. I'm here because I believe what I'm preaching. I picked this town. I've known Greg and his wife from way back. I haven't seen him for a long, 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 long time. But he got in touch with me and it just felt right to see him and come and be here with you guys. I get hundreds and hundreds of invites. I can't go everywhere I'm invited to. I used to say I go to 6, 7, percent of my invites. I don't even think I go to 6% of my invites. That's how many invites. I chose to be here. If I was here for income, I'd have picked the big church. Amen, brother. Amen, brother. I'm here on purpose. Because when I get here, my heart sings because I have a strategy in God that he's given me. I like little cultures. I like little towns. I like where it's not mass giant city stuff and big conference setting. I just, I'm just i geared different. I'm not saying that's wrong. I have a buddy that that's all he ministers in anymore because he's called to that. I'm called to this. I like this close, personal. I can stay. I can talk. I can chat. But what I'm looking at is an army. You don't understand. I'm so convinced at what I'm preaching. I'm, I'm in faith. I'm here by faith. I, I see something. I see God's roster, God's army, God's people. And I know that if we get half of what I've said all weekend, it'll start making a difference somewhere, somehow. You know what I mean? And, and I'm multiplying, I'm looking at one, two, three, four, five, six, and I'm multiplying that by lives lived in Christ. And I'm thinking, my goodness, if one, two, three, ten, twelve, fifty, a hundred of us have impact with a person here and there in a month, that's a lot of here's and there's. In six months, that's a lot of here's and there's. And all of a sudden, we have sown vital seed into our community instead of just doing church service. All of a sudden, we're living in Christ, and people are getting touched by love and touched by mercy and touched by His power. All of a sudden we're at work and our attitudes are transformed. We're not complainers anymore. Why? Because we're thankful. The reason the Bible talks about thankfulness all the time, and in all things, give thanks, thankful, 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 always talks about thankful, throws it in on the end, and it's on purpose. Because when you lose your thankfulness, you've turned inward and become self-focused. When you lose your thankfulness, you've weighed how it's going instead of how it is. Are you with me? Many people have lost their thankfulness because they've inspected their life and they've weighed their life and they've asked questions and wondered where God is and what I'm doing wrong. And they have this idea that God's there to bless them instead of transform them. We've helped as preachers to accomplish that lie because we preach messages that benefit us to make our hearts warm on a Sunday to keep us encouraged in life. So they keep coming back and we keep encouraging so they can make. Who's an old-timer Christian, man? You've been around for a while. Who's, who's been a Christian for a long time? You'll know I'm right when I say this. You'll chuckle. Back, back in the 70s, 60s, 70s, there was this thought to start doing midweek services. Because Sunday to Sunday is a long haul. And life is tough and it will suck it out of you, brother. So we had to get there on Wednesday to make sure you got a good shot of Jesus because you still got to make it to Sunday. (laughs) Who knows I'm telling the truth? Who knows that was the thought? Life is tough, man. Suck it out of you, man. You get drained. We got cracks. We leak, brother. You're supposed to leak on people, (laughs) not get broken and leak to the ground. You're supposed to leak on people. He anointed your head. Your cup runneth over. You're not dry. You're wet. Isaiah, he feeds the thirsty and he floods the dry ground. Yes, yes. I'm a cup running over. Can you see I've been a madman all weekend? <laughs> Have I looked tired to you? Not at all. You know why? Not one of you has drank out of my cup. At best, you splash at my saucer. At best. You couldn't reach my cup. It'll overtake you. There is a fountain in me springing up. There is a river in me flowing out. I'm in relationship with the living God. I'm not doing ministry. I have fellowship with the Spirit. I am not doing ministry. Well, brother, you poured out all weekend. You must be exhausted. Let's just pray that God fill you up. Stop those prayers. Leave me alone. I don't know what to do now. <laughs> we have these strange ideas. Old school. You raised your hand. A bunch of you. Midweek. Did that bear witness? We got to go to church on Wednesday to stay empowered enough to make it till Sunday. So that Wednesday, we're, Sunday, or we're living our whole life on the run in survival mode. Whoa. Trying to make it instead of shining. Taking everything personal, thinking everything's about me, against me, the devil's out to get me, that's the devil, I can't believe, well how come? And we're just trying to survive and we don't realize how tricked we are. Because the whole time you're living with that mentality, you're not productive and you're not shining, you're on the run. I've seen in my short Christian life, a stronger stronghold of self-centeredness and self-consciousness in people after they got saved than before they were saved. Because they made the salvation all about their blessing and all about their day going the way they hope. All about what God's doing for them. Now it's about green lights and parking spaces and first in line and favor. And you use all your faith for blessing instead of all your faith that's to become right. like Him. Oh, so How has yeah, yeah. the world changed because you got a better parking spot? Yeah. How has the world changed because your light's green? Here's how selfish it is. You don't even realize when your light's green, you're going to work and saying, i got favor, brother. i got every green light the whole way through town. Jesus loves me. Well, you're forgetting about when your light's green, somebody's just red, and you don't even think that. You don't have faith in the Spirit of God for a green light. In fact, you ought to sit behind a few red ones for a while and get free. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> Am I touching something or what? Go go away from there. Go, I, I'm oh, feeling it. That's, I'm like, what's going on right now? now go away from Swing there, brother. You can tell I'm happy, right? You can tell I'm not mad at you, right? Just that's why are we using our faith for self-interest yeah. and calling it favor. You have favor, your sins are forgiven. he came while you were yet a sinner he put his life inside you you have favor you have audience with the living God you see Jesus he's he's the high priest sitting at the right hand you have access and can come boldly to the throne of grace you have favor favor isn't a green light favor is the kingdom of God on the inside of you because fear not little flock it's the father's good pleasure to see that you have it Yeah. Yeah? yeah let's not use faith for trivial things Faith is a perspective. Faith is a mindset that takes you through adversity and trial. And if all you have is a bless me mind, you're in a quandary when there's trial. Why is this happening to me? Why did I, how come God didn't protect me? Where did I open the door? Why is he letting the devil do And now all the questions overshadow the things your heart always knew. He did not send his Son. And raised Him from the dead and put His life in me so things go the way I hope today. He did that so I wake up and can pursue Him and follow Him and live by His Spirit in the face of every adversity, every unfortunate thing, every tragedy, every unforeseen thing to where I'm never caught off guard because I am not alive for things to go the way I prefer. I am alive to look more and more like Him. And until I arrive there, I haven't arrived. So I'm going to keep growing up into him in all things and not be tossed to and fro by every little wind and doctrine that passes our way until I grow to the full measure of the stature of Christ, till I grow into him in all things. Yeah. yeah? Sounds like Paul was on a mission. He said, I didn't apprehend yet. We respect Paul highly. And he said, I'm not there, but I'm going to get there. And I'm going to forget what lies behind. I'm going to reach to what lies ahead so I can reach that high mark, that high goal. That's attained sounds like he was heading somewhere. He told us to join him and get in the race and run it worthy of a prize. doesn't sound like we pray a prayer and we're waiting now for heaven and hoping life works smooth. Praying to go to heaven and holding on through the hell. Hell to shun, heaven to gain. It's not the gospel. Christ in you is the gospel. You're not shunning hell and gaining heaven. His life is coming inside of you. The goal is not self-centered and self-serving. You don't pray a prayer to escape something. You believe to become something. Hello? And you can find what people really believe by how they respond when times are challenging. You can tell if they understand covenant. You can tell if they have good teaching in their heart. How they respond in adversity reveals what they see. Anybody can respond when things are going well. You're not a Christian for things to go well. If that was important to God, he would make sure everything goes well and we'd be a bunch of spoiled kids and if you treated your children like that, somebody would say, shame on you. And say, you're spoiling them and yet we won't spoil. I'm not picking a fight. I'm not, the devil knows what I'm saying at this point and so does God. I am not picking a fight, but I am sure not afraid Because I didn't wake up for things to go the way I hope. I woke up to be like him. Who's learned that your ducks are never in a row? If you're you're a Christian, for your ducks to be in a row, you're in a wild goose chase. Please get off the train. There's no next stop. It'll just spin forever. There's no duck duck in a row anointing. That's not why we're Christians. We're Christians to shine. And whatever comes against you shining is an attack against the kingdom, not you. You know how we take adversity personal? It's never about you personally. It's about the kingdom. The devil could care less about you. Without the kingdom, you are no threat to him. You are a bug. Without the kingdom, he'll flick you like a flea. Before the kingdom, he had you anyway because he had you thinking just like him. He is not threatened by you outside of God. You are no match for the enemy of God without the kingdom. Let's stop taking adversity personal. He's trying to stop the kingdom in your life and keep God from building what he paid for. And stop saying, well, I can't believe everything bad always has to happen to me. What am I doing wrong? If one more thing thing happens, I'm just going to give up. Oh, that's a great testimony. (laughs) So the devil says, oh, there's an easy one. Let them go to church and sing hallelujah. One more slap in the face and they're done. All of a sudden, you're a punch drunk fighter that doesn't have a fight. Fight the good fight of. It doesn't say fight the devil. You see what happens when you give somebody a microphone? They manifest. When you give somebody a mic, they manifest. When you put somebody up on a platform, they manifest. Why would you put him on a platform when he's a cut off, withering branch coming to nothing? It doesn't tell you to fight the devil and acknowledge the devil and shout at the devil and scream at the devil. It says fight the good fight of faith. What it means is keep believing what you've become through what he paid for, and that's what defeats the enemy. Don't you ever change your mind. Don't you feel like you're a pincushion? Don't you feel like you're a target? Don't you feel like you're a sitting duck? You believe you're his child. And no matter what's going on, you believe he loves you and he's walking you through and you're going to come out greater and stronger and understand more. And because of the adversity, you're going to be wiser and know God like you never knew him. And what Satan intended to break you in is going to help establish you in because you live by faith. Are you with me? Come on, man. He does it all the time. He's sure he can break you. He doesn't think you love God. He thinks you need God. There's a difference. You read your Bible. He gives himself away with Job. He says right to God's face in an arrogant tone, Job, different than every other man, are you kidding me? He's a man. He's like everybody else on the earth. You take away the things you blessed him in, and he'll curse you to your face like everybody else would. And he put us all in the same bag. And what he's saying is people don't love you. They feed off your blessings. They're selfish. They're just like me. You saw Adam follow his wife. You saw Eve eat the tree. They're all like me. That's what he was saying to God. Yeah. You better make sure he ain't right on your behalf. You better make sure you're not just another one in the bag. Because when God said Job was different than ever a man, then he's different if God said. And Job didn't have a lot of revelation, honestly. He had a lot of wrong believing. But he had integrity. And he kept God in his proper place and refused to curse him. Ain't that something? You know how many people are mad at God that go to church? You know how many people show up to church discouraged because of the way the week went? Do You know how many people show up to church forlorn and sad? Because of what's going on in their lives. And it's a dead giveaway that we don't understand why he lives in us. And we're trying to survive and make it instead of shine. You take adversity personally, you're going to make a big mistake. There's a demon war against the kingdom of God and you get to fight on behalf of the king. You're a soldier. You endure hardship as a good soldier. You no longer entangle yourself in the affairs of life. You run the race with endurance that's and you don't look back you don't look back you're not Lot's wife you're his bride you look up from whence came your help and you live by faith are you with me yeah. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost he's my friend he lives in me because he wants to isn't that comforting Like, I couldn't kick him out if I wanted to. (laughs) He came in and moved in. He's in my little one-room apartment, and he's so (laughs) homey. And roomy in there, he loves it. I didn't know it my whole life. I was looking for something from you. My whole life, I was looking for something from you. My whole life, I thought, God, people are weird. If you just tweak them, life will be better. Never considered he wanted to change me. I just thought you needed to change because you're a little weird. You know how we think? Don't we think that? Because we have preferences. So we're proud. And we think people are weird, man. And we decide who we can get along with, who we can't, who we will, and who we won't. We're full of first impressions. It's so prideful. It's so self-righteous. It's so judgmental. It makes each one of us individual gods. Ruling our own world. Picking and choosing. So biased. It's everything he's not. And we've been professionals. And it's everything he's not. How'd that happen? Because God and man got separated through sin. And we were born into separation from truth and and, and God. And we look nothing like we were created to be. Did you ever see in your Bible where Jesus got beaten more than the sons of men? It's Isaiah, it's 52. He was more, more than any of the sons of men. Who watched The Gory Passion? Pretty gory. I heard Christians say, I ain't watching it. It's too sadistic. It's too brutal. I said, you better watch it because it was worse. Get sober. Get a grip. Hold your eyes open. Make yourself watch. Don't say, yeah, it's too gory. No, it's reality. But not quite because it was worse. A Christian that says, I don't want to watch that. You're doing yourself injustice. Watch something like that. Get a visual. Mark yourself with what he paid. And then know it's times about three. Because my Bible says he was marred more than any of the sons of men. That means the worst affliction that was ever placed on a man, he came out worse. You burn a man on a stake. You burn a woman because she was practicing witchcraft and you tie her to a pole and light a bonfire underneath her feet. You tell me when the fire goes out you can tell if she's even a woman. You boil somebody like they did back in the day in oil and get them out of the oil. You tell me if you can tell their sex. You tell me if you could tell that was Freddie that used to live down the street. There's no way you could identify that human being. Am I telling the truth? He was marred more than anyone was ever marred. That means when they were done beating him and kicking him and beating him and kicking him, there was no way you could tell who he was. He's on the cross and he's speaking scripture and you can't even tell who it is. And the Pharisees are marveling and they say, even now, He speaks the Scripture. Why? Because you can't even tell it's Him. Why was it so brutal? Why did He have to be beaten so bad? Why couldn't He just take 39 stripes and a few stakes in the hands and feet and shed His blood and get her done? Why did He have to get beat beyond recognition? Because when sin got done without Him in the garden, He didn't look anything like He was created to be. And He lost His appearance. So Jesus had to lose His visage to pay the price to put His Spirit back in men and restore the image of God in flesh. So good. So good. Yeah. And you think I believe that and I'm going to have people issues today. Not a chance, friend. I'm not playing with the Gospel. I'm going to stand before Him someday and be glad I believed and didn't take you personal. <laughs> See? You have a choice whether you believe or not. You can sit there and be cynical if you want. You can sit there and say, well, he's just a little bit too dramatic for me. You can do anything you want, but one day you'll stand before him and make sure that ain't an oops day. Make sure you didn't take life more personal than you took him. Make sure you ain't still holding on to a grudge. Make sure you ain't still living off of some triple thing. Well, I'll never forget the day they hurt me. If God said that about you, you're hopeless. Why would you live in a hopeless place when He put hope on the earth? Why would you stay in unforgiveness and keep the offense of life alive when you have the gift of forgiveness and render it as if it never happened to live free? Why would we choose flesh when we've been given the Spirit? There's going to be two seas of people in the end. And it ain't one sea prayed the prayer called the sinner's prayer and the other seed didn't pray the prayer it's going to be one seed believed and their life proved it and the other seed didn't believe because their life proved it you read your bible we created the sinner's prayer we made the sinner's prayer the prerequisite he said lay down your life you can pray the sinner's prayer and stay angry at your spouse You can say the sinner's prayer. Do you know how many Christians split up and divorce? It's because we don't understand the gospel. You don't understand why it lives in you. Don't get condemned by that if that's you. Just don't ever live that way again. Learn from your mistakes and say, oops, I need to regroup. I need to rebound. Do you know how many Christians? Christians have the right in their heart to split up and get divorced. You say, well, my spouse cheated on me and the word says, if they have adultery and uh, it's legal, I can split up. Well, what about loving them and crying for them and laying down your life and following Jesus? What about believing for their restoration that one day they'll come out of the belly of the whale and float up on the shore? Well, then I don't know if I can ever trust them. And you're not supposed to trust flesh anyway. When were you ever supposed to put your trust in flesh? You're supposed to wake up and shine and be loved. You're not to lean on your own understanding and listen to your friends that would do the same thing you do. That's not your support system. Why do you wrap yourself around with people that feel like you feel? There's no help in that. There's just permission. Why are you calling 10 different people that you know are going to have empathy with you and going to sympathize with you and say, man, I can't believe you're enduring it. Man, if I were you, I'd be crushed. You must really need prayer. God comfort. That God isn't even on the phone with you. You're in spiritual deception. And because you use His name and quote His Scripture, you think He's in it. He's in it when it's love. He's not in it when it's selfish. He's in it when it's love. He's not in it when it's hurt. He's in it when it's mercy. He's not in it when it's pain. He's in it when it's forgiveness. You cry all day long because you're angry and frustrated and your prayers aren't reaching Him. It's when you humble yourself in the midst of knowing you were done wrong and realize God's been done wrong a million times over and He hasn't changed through time. Man from the beginning has had no ability to change him. That's why he's still changing men. Unless you become like him, you have no influence. Unless you become like him, you have no authority. You have no authority over what you fear, what you dread, what you run from. You have no authority. Sorry, I'm so intense. Are we okay? I'm just it's just in me this way. I'm sorry. I'm cheering you on. It's my last shot at you. got them both out today. Got them both out. It must be a serious gunfighter when he has one on both sides. You know, the old Matt Dillon days, he just, he got the one right here. But I feel like today. Actually, I feel like... (laughs) come on, man, I know your hearts hear what I'm crying out. And I don't believe it's me. I'm not qualifying this. I really believe it's the Spirit of God. I don't have this planned. I can't plan this. This can't be on my notes. I couldn't have thought this through. I've said too much. It's come out too... I couldn't have rehearsed this. I couldn't have stood in the mirror this morning and did my sermon before I got never even think about what I'm going to preach. I just wait till I get up because I know he's good. And here's what I know. I know he knows you. And I know he knows how to say it. I know he knows what you'll hear, how you'll hear. And I know he knows he wants you to hear. So oh, i I got an easy position now. When you see me kneeling during worship, it's not just a humble posture honoring God. I kneel because it's a humbling thing for me. And I'm like, Lord, what a position you have me in. I have no need to preach here today. I know who I am apart from preaching. I know who I am without being here. I know who I am without somebody saying, you're so awesome. I don't need you to say I'm so awesome. He's awesome and he's in me. My life's changed and I like who I am. I'm actually very secure and it's not vanity. Like I love who I've become. I love living with me. I love walking with me, hanging with me. Every once in a while I'll be driving in my truck and I glance in my mirror to check traffic and stuff and I'll see my eyeballs like, oh, I see you. <laughs> And you know what happens in my Toyota truck? He comes and manifests while I'm driving when I do that. He just comes like the God of the universe. He's sitting in my truck. He was say, "Well, I don't believe in God, You're too late for me." I've had words of knowledge. I've seen healings and miracles. I've heard God in the secret place. I've been in prayer and had pictures come in front of me with faces and information. I call them and they fall out and cry because it's detailed. You're too late for me with unbelief. I've experienced Him. I've walked with Him and I'm a madman because of it. I'm not out of my mind. I'm out of some of yours. And that's why I look different. Because I'm possessed with the Gospel. The angel said, good tidings of great joy. We mustn't understand the good tidings because where's the great joy? We challenge every time we see great joy. Well, that ain't real. Well, nobody can be like that. You can't be that excited all the time. Well, I'd like to see him at home when he ain't nobody looking. (laughs) We've been so messed up with the way our lives have been, we lord that over truth. We let our experience trump what's possible in his grace. And when somebody's genuinely fired up, we think they're putting on a show. Because we don't live fired up and we can't believe anybody can. So then again, our lives are lured. Ain't that something? Good tidings, great joy which will be too. So if you were the enemy, what would you do? Say, "Uh uh-oh, that's a serious promise. God is a bad dude. I can't face him, but I can beat them. I'll just make sure they never see the good tidings. I'll make it all about them. I'll make it about the church they attend. I'll make it about the pastor they like. In fact, they like the pastor so much, now they're set up to get their heart broke when I get the pastor to this and this and this. And now we'll just have animosity, and they'll all go to church, but nobody will be free. And they'll all sing to God, but they won't shine God. Wow, we'll get them to do church, just never get them to be church. Well, this will be easy. Because we've known men from the beginning. Eve, push over, Adam, haha. ha. Come on. I'm not correcting you for laughing. It sounds funny, but it's serious. I'm not correcting you for laughing. It's serious. And there's a war. And there's strategies in war. And them war buttons are always red. It's always flashing. You better live ready. You better be the wise man that heard and became. Because the storm's coming. Read your Bible. Don't prophesy that over me, brother. I'm not. The Word says the storm's coming. And He gives you a season from hearing to the storm coming to be ready. So that when that thing beats vehemently on the house, it's not beating on the occupant. It's not trying to destroy her life. It's trying to destroy what God's building in her life. But because she's become something and she holds on to faith, the storm has no effect on what God built. And now that thing is stronger. Yeah? But if she hears today and doesn't become, she's likened unto a foolish woman. And the same storm comes to the wise and the foolish, not because you opened a door. You see how self-centered we are? Yeah. It's always about us. Well, I wonder why God, well, I wonder what door I open, well, I wonder what God's allowing, Why well, wonder how come. And when you have all those questions, you don't have answers. But she's a wise woman, according to Matthew 7. She hears and she does and she dug deep and planted her house firm on the rock. And when the storm came, see, the storm's coming. Ooh, that freaks me out. See, it shouldn't freak you out. The storm shouldn't freak you at all. Jesus should freak you out. <laughs> Jesus should freak you out. You know why people pray against fire? And I don't want no fire. I pray again at first because they're afraid of the fire and they know the fire will change them. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the story has nothing to do with the fire. It has to do with what they believe and their commitment to the truth. The fire had nothing to do with it in the heart of those boys. What is your fire to us, O King? We have no need to answer you in this matter. God's well able to deliver us from your fire. And even if He doesn't, you need to know He's God and your image ain't. We ain't bowing, man. Live or die. We're doing it under the Lord. And King didn't know what to do with that because every man loves himself. Every man's living for his own life. Most people are Christians for themselves. They get diagnosed with terminal cancer. They become a terminal cancer patient and then they cry out to God. They get removed from sonship and covenant. The diagnosis changes the truth in their mind. And now all our tears are hinged our prayers are tinged on tears and sentiment and loss and wonder if they die. And I got grandkids and I want to see my daughter married and now it's all sentiment and it's all human and it's all driven. And it's all about now instead of him and then. And all of a sudden we're praying all the right things and we bought four healing books and we're quoting thousands of confession sheets and wondering where His power is. And then we say, well, we all prayed. We had to have a mustard seed and He didn't heal. It must be God's will. And and now we're all confused. You be honest with me. A large percentage of the time we pray, we're moved by the problem. We're shook. We're praying because of what's wrong, not what's been made right a large percentage of the time we're people on the run and we're trying to get a breakthrough. I hear that term so much it proves we don't understand. I'm just waiting for a breakthrough, brother. The stone is rolled away. He broke through. What you're saying when you're saying breakthrough, what you're saying is I'm just waiting for my situation to change. What the breakthrough is is when you see through the truth, not the situation. That's your breakthrough. Getting renewed in the spirit of your mind. If your eye is single, your whole body's flooded with light, it doesn't say unless, of course, you just got a terminal diagnosis. It says if I see clear, I will be clear. And all of a sudden, you don't become a dying man because you're a man that's made alive. You don't become a sick man. You're a man that's in him. You don't become a divorced man. You become a man that's married to the Lord. You don't become a victim of the decision of your spouse. You become a recipient of the decision of God. Don't let life decide who you are when he's the giver of it and wants to live in you. Are you with me? Uh, I'm going to back off here. I'm done. No, I am. I'm done. You guys heard enough. (sighs) I'm so ramped up right now. It's ridiculous. We sang that song, that little sweet little girl that leads worship up here. There you are. I love you. <laughs> She's precious. I see so much heart in you. That song's personal to her. It means a lot to her. And she, she was talking about the lies. And then and, and, and she said, I bind you, Satan. And she didn't say anything wrong. She was just making a point that your lies I'm done listening to. Right? So no matter what the lies, Jesus tells me who I am. I'm going to follow the truth. Right? It's the song you say. Right? It's the only platform he functions from. He's a deceiver. He comes, he tries to tell you you're not worthy. He tries to say your life's not making a difference. What's the big deal? What are you excited about? What's really changed? He tries to get you to remember, have flashbacks, remember when you did what you're sorry for. You've already been through it with God. And then all of a sudden it comes back to you. Who's ever had this stuff happen? Who's ever cried over something? You felt like you got free and a season of time went by and all of a sudden it just relived and came back to you and you had a dream or a thought or a memory or driving to work one morning and a picture of the thing you were wishing you could forget comes back to your mind. Anybody ever have that? Well, here's what happens. We make this terrible mistake and we internalize that experience and we think we're not free and we think it's us and we think it's still in us and we think it's still our heart. So we're always praying and we're asking for prayer and we're always asking for deliverance. You don't need prayer when that happens. You just need strong truth. Listen, this is so simple. I feel like closing with this and ending the weekend on this because it will help you profoundly if you'll just grab a hold of this. You, you don't need prayer when you're having flashback memories. Prayer is not your answer. Truth is your answer. you got a young lady driving to work and she put her little purity ring on in youth group when she was 14 and she cried and was sincere. When she was 18, she crossed the line of that little purity ring. And she cried bitter tears in her bedroom because she was sure it was love and it just felt good that night and she was sure that kid loved her. And now they're not even together. And now she feels, un, 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 she feels defiled, she feels used, she feels touched. And she's struggling with a lot of things. Some friends surround her, she gets hooked up to truth, she gets restored in God, and she gets back to this place where she's like free again. And six months goes by and she's living good and in God and growing. And all of a sudden she's driving to work. And the picture of that boy in her just comes right back and that feeling of defiled tries to creep over her. She doesn't need prayer. The first thing we do is we call for prayer. We relive it and we say, it's still me, I'm still thinking about it. And we think until the thought goes away, we're not free. Until you stop believing the thought, you're not free. So, we let everything we think and feel decide who we are and how we are. So, we spend countless hours ministering to flashbacks, memories, impressions, and dreams. Instead of separating people from those things, here's the truth. When that little girl's driving and gets that picture, her heart feels bad about what she sees. She doesn't want to see it. If she could turn it off, she would. What's that tell you? It's not coming out of her heart. It has nothing to do with her desire. It's a flashback. It's a familiar spirit. It's a devil's strategy. It's trying to suck her back up into darkness, wait until she's off guard, seeking an opportune time, and catch her in a moment. And get her reliving, crying all over again for something that's finished. Getting grayed out, not feeling confident, feeling unclean, when a minute ago she was free. So what do you do? As soon as the thought comes, This is why you have to have relationship with God. You cannot serve doctrine. You have a relationship with God. Right out of your mouth, as soon as the picture comes, the young girl's driving. Father, I thank you for loving me. I thank you for washing me and making me clean and making me brand new as a young lady. I thank you you've put life inside me. And that picture's there. And that little limp sitting on her shoulder going, what? I act it out. I won't do it today because of time. But I do a little skit where I put the little girl in the chair and I have Satan over here like this. And he says, come here. And the little imp comes over. What is it, boss? You see her? I'm concerned about her, man. She's growing. She's just starting to threaten me and intimidate me. She's getting established in some things. I want you to unsettle her, okay? You remember what we drove her two years ago, yeah? Yeah, yeah, boss. You're so ingenious, boss. Well, go remind her. Go speak those things to her. Flash a picture. Just... Boss, you're so awesome, boss, yeah. He goes over and he's, well, she's driving the car. That girl, as soon as she hears that thing and gets that memory and that flashback, she's faced with two options. She can either internalize it, gray out, and let her countenance fall, and call you for prayer because she thinks she's in bondage or she can lift her voice and proclaim truth and let the picture and the image springboard her to God and come out of it more established, more affirmed, and more spiritual than she was before she saw the picture. Right. And then the little imp is freaked out, right? He's like, what? And then God starts coming in the car. Now he has to go, whoo, because he's getting hot. <laughs> he can live in this hot. He can't live in this hot. Now he's in the white hot. He got to go back to the red hot. <laughs> so he goes back to the boss. He says, did you do it? Boss, I did it. I did it, boss. You ain't going to believe this though, boss. I did everything. I promise I did everything you told me to say and tell her. I did it all. But boss, she lifted her voice and started to pray to God. And and she she started to wash up. You fool! You couldn't have did what I told you. I did, boss, I promise. No way! When you talk like that to Christians, they get discouraged, depressed, and call for prayer. Not this Christian, boss. I think she's a believer. There's something about receiving the forgiveness of the Lord. There's something about letting the blood speak better things. There's something about waking up knowing you're clean in His sight through the blood. There's something about walking in righteousness and not letting any of those things get infringed upon because that's where you stay established. Holiness flows out of righteousness. If you don't wear it, you can't look good. You're never guilty. You're never condemned. And you're never ashamed through the blood when your heart cares. The fact that you care about what you're thinking says you've been changed. The fact that the thing bothers you tells you it's not you. You do not need deliverance. You have been delivered from the power of darkness. You just need to stay in truth. I've watched us in a good intention, good will, good heart, but a rat race run a circle in this thing. And people are waiting for it to go away. To believe they're free, instead of stop believing it to grow in stronger truth. Could you imagine the enemy sitting on my shoulder and saying, "Well, you're not worthy." That would not be a good day for him. <laughs> <laughs> Sit on my shoulder. Well, remember when you were fifteen? Remember what you meant. He's talking about a dead guy. I'm new. None, of, nothing about when I was fifteen is alive in me. I am so unveiled before the Lord. I am so before Him. It's, there, he doesn't have a chance to speak that stuff to me. I, I would sniff it out in a heartbeat because I fill my heart with truth, and I would crush it with communion with God. You submit to God, resist the devil, he'll flee. It doesn't say resist the devil; it says submit to God. Your submitting is your resisting. I won't give him the time of day. I don't rebuke him. I don't say, Satan, you give. I think he gets off on that because he's got your attention. I ignore him. That's a better place. And if he gets in the way, and I realize he's in the way, I'll just move him out in the Holy Ghost. But I don't acknowledge him ever. I acknowledge the living God. I'm not a problem-driven man. I'm an answer-conscious man. And I'm not a person loaded down with ten different troubles. I got one amazing answer it's Jesus. Are you with me? There's people taught to bind and rebuke. and I plead the blood. I plead the blood over my mind. I plead the blood. I plead the blood. And you got this thing coming at your mind. I plead the blood. I plead the blood. I plead the blood over my mind. I plead the blood. And you stop pleading the blood. And all of a sudden, beep, thought comes right blood, I plead the blood. I plead the blood. I plead the blood. Next thing you know, you're tired. You're confused. Wondering why it won't go away. Because God never told you to walk the floor and plead the blood over your mind. He told you to renew your mind. We've been taught a lot of strategies that we've put a lot of sincere time into and haven't got a lot of answers. There's a lot of discouraged people because they believe these things don't work. He never told you to walk the floor and plead the blood over your mind. Here's what he told you to do. Be in communion with Him and walk in the light as He's in the light and cast down everything, everything that rises above the knowledge of God. Take every thought captive. Bring it into obedience according to Christ. Second Corinthians 10. Here's what He wants you to do. Father, I just thank You that my mind is clear and sound and belongs totally to You. I thank You there's nothing about my past that's alive. You swallowed it up through the blood of Your Son and You threw it into the yeah. sea of forgetfulness. I thank You that I'm brand new. You're giving me wisdom. I have new desires in my heart. And I thank You, God, that I have a fresh and and, and wonderful day in front of me with new mercy and grace. I have every reason to win. I have every reason to shine. Man, I'm fired up in you, and you're doing that right in the midst of a soulful assault. Yeah, that sure yeah. beats. I bind you, devil. I break your power. I command you to let me go. That's not what makes you free. If he's coming with lies, your defense is truth. And the thing that's so awesome is. But when you take your defense in truth, truth gets even more established in your heart. And now you don't just say you believe what you're saying, you begin to know what you're saying. And that's a whole different place. It's one thing if I say, sir, Jesus really loves you. God loves you, man. Who knows I'm always right? Who knows he can smile like he just did and receive that and be gracious? But it's a whole nother thing for him to be loved by God. I can say God loves you all day and be right. It's a whole nother arena when he positions himself to be loved by God. It's one thing if I say to wife. It's one thing if I say to his wife. That was deep discernment. It's it's one thing if I say to his wife. You know, God is so merciful towards you. And, and God has mercy for you, honey. That's it, one thing for me to say that because it's true. It's another thing for her to receive the mercy of you got to position yourself to be a landing strip and a platform for who He is. You can worship Him and, and proclaim all the beautiful things that God is and It's a true form of worship acknowledging who it is. It's a whole other arena when you allow all those things to be real in your own life. And it's all through faith. Are you with me? So this is what the whole weekend was about. I just nutshelled the weekend. And I got a little later than I wanted to be. I'm six minutes past, but They didn't put a time limit on I me. Mean, he told me to go free, but I you got ch- children's church and everything. I never go long on a Sunday morning. We're not here to go long. We're here to be sharpened and empowered and leave here hopefully looking just a little bit more like Him than when we came. That's why we come to church. Please don't ever get caught just going to church because it's the church you attend and it's the time you meet or the service you go to. Don't get tricked into that stuff. Don't wake up a little late and freak out. Why didn't you get the kids up? I thought you were getting the kids up. Well, I, you said, you, just stop. Just get, just get ready. We're late enough already. Now you're running, rushing to get to church. Well, I'm just upset because how many weekends in a row we've we been late now? And i got to take the children down there and children's church already started. And we're halfway through worship. I'm just, man, See, just chill. you got to get a grip, man. You're not trying to make the service. Because here's what happens. It, it, it happens in families all the time. And then they're pushing and rushing, and the kids are dragging along, sipping and eating, and and you get them in the car, and and you're rushing, and the conversation isn't happening because you're both a little ticked and frustrated and still kind of blaming each other. And now you get to church, and you dish the kids off the children's church. Mommy will get you right after, or Daddy might come look for one of us. Okay, okay, Mommy. And you get in, and the worship's already rolling. You sit your purse down, he sits his jacket down. (laughs) What are we doing? What are we doing? Just stop. Just get a grip right there. Hear that sweetness? That's sweet. That's good sound coming out of you. That's sweet right there. Phew. I wish I could just play right in that moment in your home when you're a little frazzled. We're going to take... I'm going to pray that God be able to... We could all take him with us. And if we need him, he'll just pop out of our pocket. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> You're frazzled. You're going to be late again. You, 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 you misunderstand. You need to just stop. Somebody needs to take the initiative and just love somebody and just say, "Look, it's just okay. Look, our highest goal isn't just to get to church on time. Our highest goal is to have peace, and pursue peace. Let us make this really all about him. Let's never get religious, honey. Come here. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't wake up the kids sooner. I was thinking you were, and I'm sorry if I didn't hear you or wasn't paying attention. Just forgive me. Baby. It's not about making the church on time. It's about loving you and walking in love. Keeping peace in our home. God, thank you for this girl. And all of a sudden, she's sobbing in your chest because she's been living on edge and a little tense. And all of a sudden, it's good to just slow down, take a breath and get real, and say, man, this is what we're living for. I've been on the surface, but I'm going deeper right now. And all of a sudden, you're having a moment in God and you're not even at church. You know when you touch your children you're going to touch them from this place not exasperated frustrated pushing them along not even realizing the message you're sending to your kids all of a sudden there's gentleness in you all of a sudden they don't feel pushed all of a sudden things are fun all of a sudden they mom dad but i know but i'm tired right all of a sudden it's just things change you pull up when you pull up and you work on it for next week live shallow and you don't live plastic because you're his are you with me because you'll desensitize yourself man and you'll teach yourself how to do him instead of become more like you you just teach yourself how to pray over your food and now i lay me down to sleep instead of walk in love and love your neighbor and respect your boss even if he's wrong close your eyes with me would you let's just pray would you just give your heart to these truths would you just ask Holy Spirit to empower you to live them see that's your privilege you either want to live them or you don't want to live them and and where you stand will be determined by how you begin to walk out your life and I'm not talking perfection I'm talking direction see you're not running a risk to fail when you pray like this you're privileged to become it's not about failing it's about becoming You're not under law. You're under grace. Shall we continue in sin and not care because we're under grace and not the law? No, of course not. We're sincere. We're going to give forth a sincere heart and say, God, we want to go in this direction. Are you with me on this? I flew here because I believe this is possible. I believe you guys can live in this. I believe you can walk in this. I believe your your society, your surrounding society can be touched by this truth because of the, the way you begin to live. Without trying to be evangelistic, without just trying to go cattle ranch people, you just being Him and you, love is evangelistic. Without you just always doing an organized outreach or a ministry outreach. Most of the things the church does is organized. The world's on to that. They don't even think you're real on the night you're organized. They, they realize there's ten people in the mall praying for people and they realize it's a ministry in the mall. It's different when you're just shopping and you look through the clothing rack and say, Hi, how are you? And now you have their wrist and you're praying and they're crying. That has nothing to do with a ministry. People are trained. When it's a ministry, they don't even think it's real. They think you're doing what you're supposed to do. But man, when you just walk in love and you're just spontaneous and you're just in the moment, you're just pumping gas and you look through the pump and you say, Hey, buddy, how are you this morning? Well, I'm doing like hell, man. What do you expect? I got to go to work, huh? Oh, man, I'm sorry to hear that. Listen, man, and all of a sudden you crack a little conversation or God gives you a little insight. Next thing you know, you're praying for this guy. The worst you can do is say, shut up and leave me alone. And what are you losing if you're doing it for him? What are you losing if you're doing it for him? If you're doing it to feel better about your Christianity, you'll probably get hurt. But if you're doing it because you're real, you probably lost nothing. We can live this way, guys. Let's pray. Father, I ask for grace in this house. I ask for grace over this leadership. I pray that you take this weekend and plant it on top of everything this church has ever sown into the hearts of people. And I pray that through the mouths of two or more, two or more, I pray through the mouths of two or more, every word is confirmed and established and your will be done in this house. I pray that you increase revelation and wisdom, that you cause yourself to be seen and known like never before. I'm honored to co-labor with these leaders. I'm honored to be here for this weekend and I pray that not one word would fall to the ground concerning the hearts of men. And I pray that we would be convicted and continually reminded by Holy Spirit to live in this life you paid for. Teach these men as well, God, and grant them wisdom and the ability to communicate Let our lives be changed by you like never before. God, thank you For what you're doing, thank you for who you are. I'm just going to do this corporately. I don't feel a lot of ministry. I feel like we need to just sit on the Word. But I do ask you, Lord God, to strengthen bodies. Make people whole. Make people strong. If there's something physically that's been so distracting, God, I'm asking that today, yep, it would change. Let grace come to the bodies of people as well as the hearts and the souls. Let healing flow in this house. Let this be a house that experiences healing. The beautiful thing we saw Friday night. Let that just be the way it is. The way it is. And let it flow right now, God. Healing in this house. Spirit, soul, and body. blameless till you come. In Jesus' name. Pastor, you want to close out? You want to close? You gonna, You can guys can just lead us in a closing song. This is going to be a closing song. Spend a little time just with the Lord before you jump up. Hug somebody, love somebody. You're you're free to be dismissed quietly, just slip out by the worship bin, but you're free to go. Thank you for letting me come for the weekend. It was my honor to be here. I'm excited that I came. And I just believe we sowed some seed into some real fertile soil. Amen? Amen. And we're going to see increase. Increase. Love you. Bless you. Go ahead, guys. Bye-bye.